Hello and welcome to this podcast from RCVS Knowledge. My name is Amelia Poole and today we're coming to you from lockdown and chatting to Megan Conroy, RVN, about her highly commended case example for the 2020 Knowledge Awards about auditing ear cytology. Megan Conroy is an RVN and head nurse of a group of practices in Southampton. Her passions include medical nursing, emergency and critical care, and raising clinical standards for general practice nurses. So to start off with, I really enjoyed your case example, um, mainly because it was it was really different. We get a lot of audits in, um, but not often kind of ear cytology. Um, and I liked the fact that it kind of contained a bit of everything. Um, it started off with um, kind of what patients are having cytology before antibiotics and after antibiotics and including the training. Um, so I must admit my nurse geekiness was kind of in overdrive <laughs> when I read it because I thought it was really interesting. Um, so how did you decide on what topic to order why why ears so um i think i myself in the last couple of years have only started to get into cytology again i think it's something that a lot of us learn at college or university mm. um and you know unless you're really keen on it we tend to learn those skills and forget about them um but actually in the in the last couple of years we had a new clinical director from south africa um and you know he works with a different kind of pool of clientele um, and some of them have very limited funds um, and therefore in-house cytology is an essential uh, an essential piece of kit um, and I think it really kind of opened my eyes up of how how we were devaluing or de-skilling ourselves um, mm. by not by not using it and actually this is an amazing service we can we can provide so I kind of you know that kind of got my appetite for it um, and I thought actually this would be really interesting to see because I could see the different confidence levels within the team um, some of them loved the idea and was like yeah I want to throw myself into this and the others weren't um, and therefore weren't doing it and mm. because of antimicrobial stewardship at the moment is so important and at the forefront of, of most things um, you know I felt it was kind of a a good a good area for us to focus on and like yourself I mean I, I really like looking at the reports and I love doing um, audits um, on consultations and things like that so mm. Yeah, I think that's really what uh, what gave me the appetite for it. Yeah, I think it's also really good as well because just from an in-practice basis, ears is something that can either take forever and ever to treat and clients get quite frustrated. And it can also be something that actually really gets quite expensive for, um, yeah. as well. Um, so I think, I think it's a great idea. Um, yeah. So you started by I guess just doing um, an order of kind of how many consults came in for ear problems and actually had swabs taken was that right yeah yeah that's right um so the first one um where so I have a number of practices um that I look mm -hmm. after as as head nurse um and so I looked at each individual practice um and each vet and saw who was doing ear cytology at the first presentation um now one of my vets was actually sending everything away for culture and sensitivity which um 
it is is almost the other extreme it's almost um too much um the other way um because actually unless you're seeing rods um there's really no indication or unless it's persistent um to do that okay. straight away um did a, a we've got reports on robovet um for anyone out there that uses it that we can run and so we looked at the consultations for ears specifically um looked at a period of three months um mm. and then kind of went saw the percentage of that we're having ear cytology or the percentage that we're having antimicrobials prescribed to them without ear cytology yeah okay um and kind of after that how how did you get the team on board to really kind of make the changes that you wanted in practice was that quite was it difficult yeah, I'm not gonna lie it was not an easy process <laughs> and it was not a fast one um and it's you know in in terms of clinical governance unless you're a real geek about it um and you've caught the bug it can be a really intimidating um mm. you know it can be an intimidating word it can be an intimidating subject for people because they immediately think governance or quality improvement means that you're doing something wrong um whereas actually it's about looking at what we're doing and evaluating ourselves and constant reflection um, and it doesn't need to be a scary thing so um you know I was I was trying to change the culture and we had monthly um clinical governance meetings where we would discuss cases and M&Ms and um and, and bits and pieces like that so they were already used to my audits but they were very much nurse related before mm -hmm. that whereas yeah. this was certainly um a more team-based audit um yeah. and so they were responsive in that respect they were also pretty surprised at how little they were doing um mm. and also um just a bit scared really of using the microscope um i can, I can yeah. completely understand <laughs> that you know she's like 25 years out and she said i haven't used a microscope since i left at school so i'm terrified but actually what that opened up was a conversation between us and I implore her honesty because actually when somebody then says oh I don't know how to do this or I'm, I don't have the confidence that's why I don't charge for things like this mm. well that that's a great learning opportunity not just mm. for her but for everyone and now um after you know it's been over a year um and and we're still not 100% all the time, um, but we're kind of 80% there. And Nazim, let's say the vet that um, I, I was talking about, and she's done like little testimonials for me um, for, oh, for other vets, for other CBS practices, um, because she's had such a turnaround. Uh, in all yeah. of her cases now, she does oral cytology. Um, oh, that's brilliant. And it's been amazing. And she's mm. now moving on to hematology slides um, and, and other um, cytology bits as well. So, yeah, I think the whole team, the majority of them really took it on board. But, you know, as QI, uh, it, it makes us look at ourselves. Um, and sometimes, yeah. sometimes that can be a little bit difficult sometimes <laughs> to, to, to look and at. I think, yeah, and I think as well, especially if it's like you were looking at essentially are people doing a certain a certain skill yeah. um, and like you say nobody really wants to admit that they are not confident in something or can't yeah. do something um but that's often the reason things aren't done is because you're just not confident at, at doing it um I'm going to admit now I wouldn't have a clue where to start with ear cytology but you know give me some urine and I'm there yeah. <laughs> so 
Um, so it's just a matter of, um, I guess, just kind of getting people to share what they're comfortable with doing. And if you find someone that is really passionate about a certain subject, they're often the best to actually teach others and kind of spread that passion around the practice. That's it. And it's, you know, it's a pretty mundane thing, you know, is, you know, we see a lot of cases um, and, you know, yes, you get the odd one that is just awful um, and has like repeat pseudomonas and whatever, and, and it eventually needs tika. But actually, the vast majority are pretty simple to treat. Um, and, and when we look at the antimicrobials that we were prescribing in terms of treatment and what we should be going for, I mean, the vast majority of our cases only need a good kind of cleaner to get rid of malassezia yeah. and, and then actually they're okay mm. um so I think you know there's there's so much to be learned and so much that we can do for our clients and actually the oral cytology they're, they're making the most of that consult um and everything in-house yeah. you know mm. they're getting a diagnosis on the day we're treating something specific so in terms of their expectation I think we're really meeting it and providing them a good service. So um, have you had much feedback from clients um, kind of about the case? Like, have you had any long term ear clients that have noticed a change or is it mainly just kind of in-house that you've noticed a change? Yeah. So I think in terms of um, their expectation now, uh, especially before lockdown, when they were obviously still in the building with us, um, Mm. We would often like take pictures and show them what we've seen down a microscope. And we'd say, look, we've just taken these swabs. Maybe some of our nurses have collected the samples, prepared them, had a look down and said, oh, yeah, you've definitely got mm-hmm. eye and yeast, whatever down there. Um, yeah. And then the vet comes, double checks and then goes, yeah, that's what we'll do. And we'll often take pictures and show the clients. And they're mm-hmm. kind of fascinated by it. Um, and also they... I think a lot of them were just used to, oh, here's a bottle, there you go. Um, yeah. But actually now it's a little bit more intense. You know, after a week, we want to get them back. We want to recheck. We want to make sure it's working. And actually, we want to make sure we've got rid of everything rather than what potentially happened in the past, which mm-hmm. was, um, you know, they they were given something. Um, they didn't come back to see if it resolved and it never completely went away. And then six months down the line, we're in the same issue again. Yeah. I also liked um, kind of you specifically said in your case example um, that you've had some exclusions in your audits. So um, any care kind of patients and things like that. And I think that was really important to point out because I think sometimes people get caught up on the, you know, we're auditing this. So we have we have to do this certain thing. So we have to do cytology. And, and then because they're thinking that all the time, they kind of forget that actually it is also on a case-by-case basis and as long as you can justify um what your reasons are then then that's okay so I quite like the fact that you specifically said you know what we we had some exclusions and and that was that really um because of the benefit of the patient absolutely you know there are times when you have you know and a care patient obviously is not not just aggressive or whatever but um those that are really petrified and they're just not used to having their ears handled well we don't want to exasperate that problem for the owner um in terms of them and actually what we have done is we've got owners to collect sample for us um, oh, that's so quite they'll, cool they'll do the swabs for yeah. us and then we'll they'll just hand it over and that's been really good as well um because it means that that doesn't interfere with their 
you know their process of treatment for for that yeah. patient yeah um and I think that's really important because you know we there was a few years where um the veterinary world got a bit you know hung up on on the terminology of gold standard and it's mm. something that um can really get people's backs up actually um yeah and, and something you know I found out it it does get people's backs up um and yes there will always be you know an ideal way of doing things but we don't live in an ideal world and um yeah veterinary practice is, is certain, certainly not ideal um and so we have to take each base um there there are certain standards and certain expectations but we have to do it on a case-by-case basis and you know give it the credit that it's due rather than it just being a analytical data analysis which sometimes it can be yeah and I think probably one thing to add um, on that is yes we are looking for kind of the, the best the best treatment and the best process but I think we need to add on the end the best process for that patient and yeah. you know for that situation um, because you know you can have the nicest animal in the world but you go to touch their ears and they're just like no get away yeah um, and that's just something that we obviously deal with on a daily basis and so I think that came across really nicely in your case example was that yes we're using quality improvement to improve our patient care but we're also remembering that each patient is different and that yeah. we might not be able to follow through on these guidelines for every single patient so we are thinking about it and we're processing it and even if say for example one month you might have had kind of lots of lots I was going to say lots of low numbers but that's not very good English um <laughs> kind of lower numbers um on the audit scale but again analyzing that you could see that maybe a lot of these patients were care patients so you know that would kind of justify that um and I think it helps teams move away from the whole a low number is a bad number um yeah. because it, it's not a, it's not a right or wrong way it's uh no it's you just a do the best you can way <laughs> Absolutely. And you want to look for those trends. And I think mm. that's why it's so important for for discussions to be to be had as well. And, and, and for us to not focus, it's very easy, especially when you have these reports available to you. Um, I, I remember when I started to look at the financial side of things, I'd get really hit up in the kind of final figure, whereas mm. actually there were so many contributing factors to that figure um, and that's what you know we have to do and that's part of understanding how to read and and how to kind of perform QI because um, it's very easy to just go we're doing it wrong because we have a low number but actually that might not yeah. be the case um, so always kind of looking at the history and looking at the overall picture is is gonna be your friend really. Yeah. And also just getting the entire team involved because there's lots of like sometimes you can sit down and look at a problem and just not figure out how to figure it out. And someone else can walk in and just be like, oh, you just do that and that because they've got different experiences. Yeah. Um, so that's everyone that's has something also, to bring yeah. to the table. Um, <laughs> exactly. You know, and I that's what I truly believe with QI and um, our clinical governance meeting we have like a a panel of core people um, from, mm. from different parts of the practice and then we have it, well basically it's free to, to all so anybody that can make it is more than welcome um, to come to them um, and I have to say the I think the saddest thing for me of, of corona is the fact that I haven't been able to do what I would normally do which would yeah. be monthly audits and 
clinical governance yeah. meetings and things like that so I'm working in a new world um, of how do I incorporate that and how do I do it when we can't be when I can't get the practices together you know do I do yeah. it over teams um, do I do it more individually you know how do I kind of incorporate that in and actually um, is it the best time to be looking at audits so how did you find kind of managing the audit over different practices? Was it three different practices you said? Uh, five. Five. Um, five, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, well, easy in terms of collecting the data um, yeah. because all you have to do is put in like certain different things and it will bring up individual mm-hmm. practices. Um, and I can see everything, who went to which patient went where, which vet, whoever. Um, so from that point of view, that wasn't difficult. What was actually difficult was when I was relaying the results, um, you had um, now I, I like our practices to be a little bit competitive with each other, especially the ones that are yeah. similar sizes. Um, healthy competitiveness not um not a you know finger pointing look how well we do look how badly you do um and I I think probably in the beginning it may have looked like that because one of my practices had you know 150 percent total they were coming in they were having the oral cytology they were having it rechecked brilliant and then another one of mine was about 40 percent um however they had had a string of locums and no permanent vet there to kind of impress on what we do and and the standard of cytology care that we provide um and um so you know again that's where it comes into breaking it down and I would always um issue out a um like a report each month so Mm. it's only be like a page page and a half long with um graphs on and things like that and it would show who's improving where we're going what's not gone well um and it would kind of break it down to them so that it didn't didn't feel like they were just constantly being told they're not doing good enough but it was it was so nice to see those numbers you know gradually improve and then people's confidence and provide the extra learning for them as well you know doing extra CPD with them um getting them to work alongside another vet that's really confident with it so yeah that was kind of I, I mean, I love doing audits for all of them and, and some of them, they do get quite competitive with it against each other, yeah. <laughs> um, especially things like patient safety checklists and things like that. Um, and, you know, they see uh, I'm almost a slightly like Big Brother, but in a good way, um, because <laughs> I can see everything down to their, you know, hospital forms, everything. So there's nothing. And like I, like I say, if you haven't written it down, it's not there um, yeah. or it didn't happen. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's why um, that's impressed upon so much as well I think yeah it sounds like sounds like a good culture um there and obviously it's it's paid off with the ear cytology um and things like that and obviously paying off with your potential future audits um that are coming definitely I mean I love you know um the the ones we've done on patient safety checklists hospitalization forms um GA sheets ASA risks like that you know but this one Mm. I liked because I felt like it was a big um collaboration because actually the nurses can do a lot of that cytology um and you relay that information back so it was something that the the whole team where some people tend to go oh that's the nurses one that's the nurse one I'm like no 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 Mm. and that's why I always try to get my patient safety checklist done by the the most inexperienced member of staff in the in that theatre room so normally a patient care assistant will be a float person um, and Mm. 
because it gives them that responsibility and actually they can say no you're not going into theatre yet because you haven't done x y and z um so you know I think that's why yeah I just I think it's so so important yeah helps bring everyone onto the same same level almost yeah yeah if you have been inspired by Megan Conroy's case example today then find out more about quality improvement on our website at rcvsknowledge.org. For more podcasts from RCVS Knowledge, find us on iTunes or Podbean.